Right, welcome everyone to Fast Lifts Podcast, episode 61. Now, this episode, I'm going to be looking at uh, compound exercises and isolation exercises. And I'm going to be looking at some of the pros and cons, and then finally end up with a little view on exercise order. So this came from a question on my Instagram Q&A, which I thought was a good enough question that it actually deserves an entire podcast on its own. So I want to just run through this, which I think is a relatively common, common question. And it's also one which could help out a few people with different training circumstances like age, injuries, stuff like that. I know it's something that I find very helpful. So let's firstly look at compound exercises and just sort of define what we mean by a compound exercise and then look at some of the benefits. So what I mean by a compound exercise is something which is designed to target a large musculature. So like, for example, a squat is designed to hit most of the lower body. A deadlift is designed to hit most of the lower body and the back. Even a bench press is designed to hit most of the upper body from the front. So these are exercises which have a lot, which cover a large degree of muscle mass, and that's what they're intended for. Now, so that's what a compound exercise is. Now, in contrast to that, an isolation exercise is something which you're, as the name suggests, you're looking to isolate something. Now, for that, it's de- the compound exercise is almost definitely going to be a multi-joint exercise. For an isolation exercise, I'm not as certain as whether there has to be a single joint exercise. So I think that's a separate topic. But isolation exercises are all definitely uh, comprised of uh, single joint exercises, but there can be some, you can make a case for having some multi-joint exercises in there as well. Like, for example, a wide grip pull-down. You know, if you're not isolating your back during the wide grip pull-down, you're probably doing something wrong. So I would say there's something to be said there for, um, for some multi-joint exercises to be classed as isolation as well, just because they're designed to hit certain individual muscle groups more. But anyway, for the most part, I would say compound tends to be multi-joint, isolation tends to be single joint. So if you look at benefits of compounds, first of all, um, firstly, they tend to cause more damage. Okay. So for the most part, set for set, they cause more damage than the isolation counterparts. So that means more soreness, definitely after a workout, sort of doms day later, two days later, tend to cause more soreness. Also, you tend to get more strength drop off in general. Now, strength drop off is a metric that I use to judge how effective my sets are. So if I can do a set and it really impacts what I do later in the workout, then I know that's, that's been a good set. That's had a good amount of strength drop off. Whereas, for example, if somebody's just doing sets and they're able to just keep going and going and going with really no drop off in strength, then that's definitely a sign that they're just moving weight around. They're not really fatiguing the musculature. So I'd say compounds cause more damage, more soreness, more strength drop off in general. They're also generally tend to be safer at higher intensities. So close to your one rep max, they're probably going to be safer. Like I remember even as early on as um, when I when my, hit my first gym in sort of 99, 98 kind of time. I um, <coughs> I remember the lads uh, trying to do a a one rep max on a leg extension machine. You've probably seen guys, you know, try and do that. Really, you know, young guys starting off. And I remember I remember trying it once when I, when I was a kid, and I was just thinking that's yeah, that's just definitely not a good idea. And so even early as you know when I first started training with my first few months training at a, this little leisure center I knew that was a bad idea so compound exercises are generally safer 
the heavier they are relative to your to one rep max. Third point I'd say is you can do quite a lot with a little. So if you've got limited either time or recovery capabilities, you're getting quite a lot of quite a lot of bang for your buck. So something like a squat, bench, and bent row, you could argue would train pretty much all the muscles in the body. So you can do quite a lot with very little. So that's quite good for your recovery and also good if you're time pressed as well. So, and also bottom line, you can probably do more with the time you've got. So that's also a positive because if you can do more volume, more effective volume and recover from it in the time that you've got, then you're likely going to grow more. So with all those three things said, compound exercises are likely going to be more effective. So yeah, in general, more than likely more effective. Now let's look at isolation benefits. Um, well, obvious benefit is you can isolate the muscle. Now that is quite useful for two things. One, if you've got a weak muscle. So let's say for example, I don't know, let's see a common one. You're doing a bench press and you can't really feel your chest that much. Okay, great. So you do the bench press. Let's say you do, I don't know, 15 sets of bench this week. Okay, 15 sets of pressing exercises this week and you still don't feel like your chest is particularly fatigued. In fact, when we look at markers of fatigue, like for example, the strength drop-off I, I talked about earlier, you'd see your chest is still relatively fresh by the end of the session, but your shoulders and your triceps are absolutely battered. So in that situation, you'd probably want to have a lot more chest wheel. I remember when I first started training, I was very much a closer grip venturer. My chest would hardly get worked at all. I, I got to the point where I was benching 140 kilos, three plates aside, my chest was super weak. And that sounds odd, but it was just the way I was benching. I was benching very, with a relatively close grip, very tucked elbows. And I was benching a hell of a lot that way. I'm quite gifted at the triceps, and I think that leveraged that. Um, but yeah, when I was doing something like a pec deck or cable flies, or especially dumbbell flies, I was absolutely horrendous at those. Um, or inclines, for example. Right, um, sorry about that phone call. <laughs> okay, so yeah, um, you, can, you, can, you can isolate a muscle better. So yeah, the chest example. Also in, the, in that example, there's the converse thing is true as well. Is let's say you've got very, very dominant triceps. So that could mean that you're gonna have a chest which um, is just not stimulated that much from the style of benching that you're doing. And that usually comes from inherent sort of muscle imbalances, muscle weaknesses, structure, that kind of stuff. So another good example of that is squatting. If you've got the type of build where you've got, say, lankier legs and your quads haven't really filled out particularly well yet, then for those type of people, it doesn't really behoove them to do a great deal of squats when they first start out, unless they're a powerlifter. Because what they need is they need to really build up their quads to enable them to squat better. So it might take a year or two of squatting a hell of a lot and getting the quads nice and big for them to actually be pretty good at squatting. Um, that was something I did. So I, I initially started off and I was terrible at squatting and my quads would get no stimulation. So eventually I just switched to squatting high bar and a little bit closer on the, on the stance, toes pointing more forward and I eventually my quads grew a lot more. But uh, another thing I could have done if I was just interested in bodybuilding because I was powerlifting at the time would be to have included just a lot more quad work. So leg extensions, leg presses, hack squats, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, you can isolate a muscle when some of the other assistance muscles are just too strong. Next thing is reduce systemic fatigue. So compounds, set for set, 
tend to be more systematically fatiguing for the whole body. So what that means is you've got the, you've got basically a cap on how much work you can do per week until you just feel smashed to the ground. And that's not really much to do with muscular recovery, but it's to do with everything else, like nervous system, all that kind of stuff. So the isolation exercise, you can keep adding volume on top without really contributing as much to the systemic fatigue. Next thing is, in general, in general, isolation exercises do give you a lower chance of injury as long as you're doing them in sensible rep ranges. So like my point previously, you're not going to one rep max a leg extension, or at least you shouldn't do. In general, you're going to use us with higher rep ranges, and due to the controlled nature, it's just a single joint exercise for the most part, it tends to be less chance of injury. At least that's what I've seen. Next benefit of isolation exercises is your axial spinal loading is far less. So the axial spinal loading is a particular type of fatigue where if you're getting just too much on your spine during the course of the week, that can be tiring in itself. This is one of the reasons why deadlifts tend not to be done for very high volumes unless you're a very, very proficient deadlifter, which some people are. I was. I was deadlifting quite a few days a week um, when I was at my strongest in powerlifting. But um, for the most part, with an isolation exercise, you just don't get quite as much spinal loading. Next one is working around injuries. I've had a couple of injuries this year. I had a back injury very early on in the year during the first lockdown. And as a result, most of my leg training was curls and extensions. So yeah, working around injuries is a definite one. And I always say to people, if they get injured, injuries are relatively inevitable in this game, but if you get injured, you don't really want to get out of your routine. So like, let's say, for example, it's your leg day and you've hurt your quad. I don't know. I st- I'd still want you to do the similar number, number of exercises on that day. <coughs> you just wouldn't do anything which would affect the quad. So you might get away with extensions, but leg presses and squats are out. Fine. So just do something else. Do the adductor machine and then do another type of hip extension. You know, but do your exercises on that day. Maybe do a shrug. Maybe do some forearm work. And just go in and do something. So the benefit is you can work around the injury. And as a side note to that, definitely just try and carry on with the same routine. I think people get a little bit demotivated when they get out of routine. But if you just switch out for a different body part, something you don't really train that much, like forearms, maybe traps, maybe calves, if you've been skipping them, abs even. At least you're in and you're doing something until the other body part recovers, or at least until you can start to load it with low weight. So that allows you to start to recuperate it but anyway that's a different topic another benefit of isolation is specialization so if you really want to specialize on the body part adding in isolation exercises can allow you to eke out that little bit more volume so for example if i was specializing on say arms i would definitely have the main pressing and pulling exercises as chins and dips because that just makes sense then on top of that you could add in things like close grip bench press um, and then you get some kind of row, underhand row. So all of a sudden you've got four upper body movements there, which are all designed to work the chest and back, but actually focus on the arms. Then on top of that, loads of isolation work for the arms or well, whatever's appropriate, not loads, um, could net you that extra benefit. So isolation exercises tend to be useful for a range of different things. Hopefully I've given you a good overview on why we use compound exercises, why we use isolation exercises, now let's look at the main gist of what we of the discussion is, which is exercise order. Now, I first just want to kick off by saying there is no real reason which predicates why your order should be one way to another. Okay, it's all just based on tradition. That's that's all it's based on. It's based quite simply on tradition. 
nothing else. So people do compound exercises first, like a typical leg workout or quad workout at least will involve squats, leg presses and leg extensions. A typical chest workout will involve bench press, some kind of dumbbell work and some kind of fly. Okay, that's generally the way people do things. There's no other, no, no other uh, reason behind that other than tradition for the most part. So let's look at why compounds would be going first. Firstly, they're effective, as we've discussed. Now, secondly, I would say the majority of people, for the majority of people, the bulk of their workout should probably be compound exercises. Um, so just by nature of that, they're probably going to go first. And uh, they're safer. So overall, you've got a large number of reasons why you want to hit the compounds first. So it's not particularly not wrong, and it's more than likely right to be hitting the isolation, to be hitting the compounds first. And also to hit the compounds for the majority of your work. And I would say for most young guys looking to build up, build their bodies, gain muscle, and even for older guys looking to gain muscle, as long as they're relatively fresh and injury-free, you're looking at compounds first because compounds should be the most the bulk of your routine and should be where most of your energy goes to just because that's going to give you the biggest bang for your book, the biggest return. So compound first is a good default standard. Now why isolation first? Okay. Now this is something I do a hell of a lot. Okay. Now the first reason is not really why I do it, but the first reason is a good one. It's variation. So just simply variation. Like, Hey Faz, why are you doing T-bar rows this month rather than bent rows? Well, it's just variation. Okay, so why isolation exercises first? Why do my leg workouts typically look like leg extension, leg press, and then some kind of squatting movement? For me personally, it's injury prevention. So that's the second probably biggest reason for why you do isolation first. If I can jump onto a leg extension and I can do some either high reps or some like intensity technique madness like clusters or rest pause or something like that or drop sets, or whatever, I can do some kind of intense work on the leg extension. And then after that, go into a leg press where I might do like clusters or just straight sets of lower reps. And by the time I get around to a squatting movement, my legs are going to be so fatigued, I won't need to use much weight. So I can get by with like a hack squat, you know, or a pendulum squat or a squat machine or just a regular squat. And I could do that for relatively lower reps while my legs are all warmed up, my knees are warmed up, my quads are nice and fatigued, so I don't need to use as much weight. The only danger there is you've got to make sure you're not loading up that squat too heavy or trying to do as much as you would do before because all you would do then is you're going to start to take from other surrounding muscles like the lower back, the hamstrings, the adductors. So you still want it to target, you know, the well-rounded musculature. So you've really got to apply a lot of focus when squats are your final exercise or when a squat machine or a hack squat is your final exercise. You've got to apply a lot of focus to make sure your form is still right. Like we discussed at the start, you're not trying to isolate on a compound exercise. That's the nature of a compound is to hit all the musculature. But you've got to make sure you're not bastardizing the movement and it's not turning into like a good morning rather than a squat because your quads are going to be fatigued. And the last thing I'd say is on that, if you go into the squat and right at the end of the workout and you find that you're fine <laughs> and your, your legs aren't fatigued and your, squat, your, your quads aren't fatigued, then, then you've got to bear in mind going back to the point I was making before about strength drop-off is, well, you've got to look at your, the first two exercises that you did. Well, did you actually do much? So did you get most out of those leg extensions? Did you get the most out of those leg presses? Do you need more volume, perhaps? So um, I'd say it's a good proxy. Strength drop-off is a very good proxy at all times, but in particular, if you put compounds at the, at, the, at the end of the workout. If you're hitting the compound at the end of the workout and you're managing to do the same weight and same volume and reps, 
than it was at the beginning of the workout, then, well, you can't really argue that you disrupted the muscle very much with the first couple of exercises. So that's something to be wary of. Just do, just as a bit of a um, check on yourself to make sure you're working hard enough. So there we go. So generally what I do is I tend to do isolation stuff first. And it's one of the reasons why I stick to something like a push-pull legs these days, because I'm just able to start off with the smaller exercises, move on to the bigger exercises. So like uh, later today, for example, I'll be hitting uh, chest as part of a push workout because this is one of the last training sessions at home before uh, lockdown is over and we're allowed to be back in gyms again. What I'll be doing is I'll be doing a dumbbell fly followed by a dumbbell press followed by a barbell bench press. So by the time I get to the barbell bench press, I'm not using very much weight at all. I can probably use about 80 if I'm lucky, but it's challenging and it feels safe because I'm warmed up. So it's all good to go. Right folks. That is it from me on this topic. So yeah, hopefully you guys found that interesting. That is the discussion on compounds versus isolation and also exercise order. And um, yeah, I wanted to do this because I figured it'd be useful. And um, hopefully you guys have found it useful. If you have, uh, leave me a like or a subscribe. Uh, also looking for five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, wherever you're at. That'd be useful. And right now, I am running this 14-day um, fat loss experience. So please do sign up for that. The link is in my Instagram bio. And uh, as always, I'm available for coaching. So get in touch if that's something you'd like and you want me to be your coach for your bodybuilding or fitness journey. All right. See you next time.